want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you will be both encouraged and challenged. We would really love it too if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoy the message today. Y'all ready for today? We're kicking off the Christmas season, and there's something I want to show you. I want to. I have a question today that we're going to get to answer. And if you've ever asked this question before, this can be a healthy question. If you've never known you could ask this question, I want to ask it with your spiritual health in mind. This isn't to cause us to be questionable. This is for us to be inquisitive, okay? So with that, I want to read a few scriptures, a couple of scriptures, to kind of prime the pump a little bit. These aren't really Christmas scriptures. I, I just want you to see the heart behind them, okay? First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. I'll give you a chance to turn there. Write that down. Uh, this is going to sound real familiar to a lot of folks because of a worthy statement that Paul says that everyone should understand, okay? And he says this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that, and here's the saying, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Another way, he, different translations put this is Paul turns to Timothy in this letter and says, hey, we just got to realize that Jesus came to save sinners and I am the worst one. Now, if you know who Paul is, he was a man who followed God. There's a time in his life he was very zealous. He did some things for God that God wasn't asking him to do. But then in his conversion, in his desire to know Jesus and serve him, Paul gave his life for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And when Paul turns and says, here's a worthy saying, and it's going to come from me, we got to keep this in mind that Jesus came for sinners, and there's no one that's perfect. We are all unrighteous and all unworthy of what Jesus came to do in us. But then, I want you to pay attention, because that's really good so far. But look what he says next. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. He he identifies with the eternal side of God. He's been here from the beginning, and he will be here at the end. But in it, right smack dab in the middle, he points out the word long-suffering. Another word for long-suffering is patience. Patience is the word that then he turns and says that there is this pattern of patience when it comes to our Father in heaven. This pattern of patience. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, pattern of patience. And I need you to have a little pattern for patience because this is the point to where it starts sounding like Charlie Brown's parents up here. Wah, 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 wah. And you miss everything. But he's pointing out the eternal side of God and says, do you not see and recognize the, the pattern of patience God has had with his people. Let me show you something else. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. This is amazing how it starts off. But when the fullness of the time had come, think about the length and depth of that statement. 
But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. It's the fullness of time. It's like a perfect plan was put together, and it took a certain amount of time for it to come to completion, but it was full when it got here. I have a question. How long does it take God to do something? I mean, seriously, come on. Let's think about this for a minute. If you didn't know you could ask that question, well, I just gave you freedom. And if you've been asking that question, well, your pastor just asked it too, so I just removed the guilt. How long does it take God to do something, doggone it? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And now is the season for the reason we're all here. Father, open our ears to hear. For everyone who wants to hear, let them hear today. For everyone whose their mind wants to be filled, fill it, Father. For their heart to be conditioned. Do something in someone's life right now. That, that they're, they're so missing the big picture of the perfect timing that God has for their life. In due season, God will finish what he started. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll ask it again. How long does it take God to do something? Because I kind of got confused along the way. When I was up, I guess it had to have been when I was a little boy. Uh, I had good information that probably somebody should have probably explained a little bit better to me. But I was just that little kid that was just so hungry and so willing and had so much faith. Someone came along at some point and said, Ty Bean, you know what? And I said, what? And they, they said, God can do anything. And I, I believed it. From that moment on, there was no doubt in my mind that God could do anything. But there was something I, I got to on that day that I'm not sure they meant. I kind of thought that God could do anything right now. And I was kind of under the impression, especially when they threw the whole mustard seed faith in there thing. Remember that one? It's like just at the point to where you thought, if I prayed, God will do it. If I believe strong enough, it'll happen. They threw the whole mustard seed faith in there and said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, the tiniest of all seeds, you can, God can move a mountain and God can, God can do big things. And right then, on the, I remember thinking, the problem's not God. The problem's me. Right. And I remember sitting there thinking, it's me. It's got to be me. It's, I've done something wrong. God doesn't like me anymore. Uh, how come God's mad at me? Uh, you, think, you think God's just, God, God would at some point give me an idea of what I did wrong. And, and there's been this little journey, if, you're, if you've been on the journey I've been on, to where you know God could do anything. And how come he doesn't? See, the reason I wanted to read the two scriptures of 1 Timothy and Galatians chapter 4 is as an adult and the maturity of the Lord has come to the place to where I'm not living off of the little five-year-old faith anymore, but now at 45 years old, I've realized this about God, is that he works in seasons. And he is a seasonal God. And he's not a seasonal God because we have seasons, he is a seasonal God because he created seasons. Right. And, and being the creator, there's a few things we have to understand that he established from the very beginning. And everything 
Everything happens in its own time. Is he the God that can snap his fingers and it happens instantly? You bet he is. He is the God of the universe. But he is also the God that is so perfect in his plan. And at 45, I have adjusted my life to realize that faith tells me God's not done. And when the moment is right and when his timing is full, that is when the season happens. That has to happen for God to put together what only he could put together. Let me, let me tell you what inspired today. I, I'm kind of stuck on a song Hillsong United wrote. The song's called Seasons. It is a great song. It, it's not the kind of song that just instantly becomes your favorite. Uh, there's some songs, the moment you buy an album, you, you turn it on. I mean, you're, you've got the words memorized. And good luck memorizing these words. These, this, is, this, is a, this is a hard song to, to memorize. This is a hard song to sing. Um, you're going to see why here in a minute. In fact, the song really, I, I, have you ever got those songs on your CDs that you just skip? You know, you just want to get to the faster ones, the better ones. Well, one day I was just kind of zoned out driving down the road, just watching the yellow, the white lines just go by, and this song played. And as it continued to play, I didn't fast forward it like I normally do. I didn't skip it like I normally do. And then he said this word, and I want to throw up there the, the verse one. And before I get to going too far, it's the songwriting skills of these people who wrote this that I just have to give a credit to. They'll not even, they'll not even know I quoted them today, but I just thought it'd be fun to quote them in my message. Um, the words were written by Chris Davenport, Benjamin Hastings, and Ben Tan. They don't even know who I am, but they are some songwriting suckers, I'm telling you right now. And I'm just driving down the road, and, and look at the very last, this is the, this is the opening verse, verse 1. And look at the very last word of the opening verse. Down at the bottom to the right. When was the last time you saw a song with the word sequoia in it? What rhymes with sequoia? Hey, boya? I mean, I don't know. What do you, what rhymes with sequoia? But they managed. And I thought, did, did he just say sequoia? And I rewinded it and listened to it again and thought, oh my gosh. If someone's that brave, to put sequoia in his song, I got to listen to this. And this is how the words go. Like the frost on a rose, winter comes for us all. Oh, how nature acquaints us with the nature of patience. Like a seed in the snow, I've been buried to grow. For your promise is loyal from seed to Sequoia. Dang! Bow chicken, wow, wow. That's, <laughs> I don't know why I even said that. That's funny. That's funny. Okay. okay. It goes on. It goes on. This is, this is the chorus. I'm going to have fun with you guys. I've been all serious all day. This is the chorus. Though the winter is long, even richer, the harvest it brings. Though my waiting prolongs even greater, your promise for me like a seed, I believe that my season will come. And that's why today's so important. It asks the question, how long does it take God to do something? And you've got to ask yourself a very important question. What season are you in? And to not miss the season that you're in right now. The song continues, and I want to go to the bridge. And the bridge is my favorite without any doubt. It says, I can see the promise and I can see the future. 
You're the God of seasons, and I'm just in the winter. If all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience, then if you're not done working, God, I'm not done waiting. Man, that's good stuff. Next verse. You can see my promise even in the winter because you're the God of greatness even in a manger. For all I know of seasons is that you take your time. You could have saved us in a second, but instead you sent a child. And it's this lesson that we see that inspired my heart of a question that we may ask is if we sinned when the fall of man took place, is God not big enough that he could have saved us instantly? That the moment Adam and Eve sinned and they walked away from God, they're disobedient towards God and sin now is in the earth. Did God not have the power right then in second one of the whole new devastated earth moment for God to turn and say, it's okay, you're forgiven, it's forgotten. Did he have that power? And the answer is yes. But we have to understand that it's not all about fixing it. It's not all about God fixing it. Because here's the issue. For a lot of us, we're wanting God to fix it. But what if it isn't about fixing it as it is about God's perfect season to bring something bigger than the fix? And we get more addicted to the fix than God's perfect promise of redemption and restoration and to bring about a place to where we know that God has a big picture and a big plan. So ask the question about Christmas. Could he have saved us in a second? And he could have. But Christmas is even bigger than that. Bigger than Jesus being born in a manger in Nazareth. And a whole new year clock starts. If y'all didn't know, we're 2018. By the birth of our Lord, Jesus Christ, we are on his time. We know that 2,018 years ago, Jesus came. But it's not even that 2,018 years in the story. It's 2,000 years before those 2,000 years that the Christmas story began. That if Jesus could have fixed it in a second, why does he take so long? And if a lot of us would look at this and go, man, it just seems like God takes forever. Well, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, we see that they address this issue of what does time look like to God, it says. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord... One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is of one day. Now, I know if you've heard that. Somewhere someone has quoted this who didn't even know where it came from. They just heard it from somebody else. And, but they missed the next part. And the next part in verse 9, and this is very important to every one of us who wants to know where we're at and how long is this going to take. The Lord is not slow. He is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not 
wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is such a big deal because we realize that we may think God is slow, and you actually need to turn and realize that God is perfect. The perfect timing, the perfect moment for the perfect season that you might be in. And back to the timeline of Christmas. This isn't Jesus is born and we find ourselves here today. This is much, much, much older of a story than this. And could God have fixed it in a second? The fact is, is yes, he is God. But this has so much a bigger picture to see. In that now that we have fallen, it's now God who turns and says, come follow me. If I set this covenant up with you, if I set this covenant up with you, every time you pursue me, you will find me. Every time you chase me, see if I won't fight your enemies for you. And you see that God isn't about the fixing it as much as he is about restoring. You forgot who I am. I want to show you who I am. You forgot how I do things. Let me show you how my kingdom operates. And what, dis- what disturbs me as a pastor, here's what disturbs me, is that there are so many people that come to church and so many people that want what God wants, but they want them to, him to fix the problem, and you don't have God to be perfect in your life. And let me just tell you, I would just soon you stay home than to serve the cheap God. Because far too many of us serve a cheap God that we just want him to fix our problems. Let me give you some examples. For all the single ladies, for all the single ladies, <laughs> for all the single men, God doesn't want you married right now. God doesn't want you married. Well, hang on, pastor. I think God wants me married. Shut up for a minute. Listen to me. He doesn't want you married. And you know the proof behind it? You're not married. Because I think it's one of these moments we have to stop and ask ourselves, do you want Mr. Right or do you want Mr. Right now? I know that's old cliche. That's old stuff right there. The millennials are laughing. They're like, that's awesome. No, that's old. Okay. Okay. Reba covered that song a long time ago. Okay. But it's one of these things we have to stop and realize that you either want God to fix your problem or do you want to be in his timeline and his perfection? Heather and I were sitting there worshiping next to each other a minute ago and she reached over and she held my hand when Leslie was closing in prayer and I could hear her. She was praying for me right before I came up and speak. And speak. Um, you don't know how much that means to me when you, you, just, you just grabbed my hand. You didn't ask permission. You just grabbed my hand. <laughs> You just grab my hand and right there you're holding it and you're praying. And you know what? To wait on God's best took longer than I thought, but I can't imagine waiting on anybody else. And, and, and you, you tell me, I'm just going to tell you, anyone can be married. Anyone, anyone. And, and the same thing goes down the list. You know, we're talking in staff about the perfect timing with finances. And, and if you bought a $40,000 car today in 10 years, if you'd have put that money back and put it in an interest-gaining loan or, or, or mutual fund or whatever it was, and you drove a $6,000 car in 10 years, how much is that 6000 car worth, and how much has that $40,000 made? Yeah. It's all, do you want to fix it? I just want to drive something. I want to drive something nice. Or do you see the end from the beginning, and you realize, but there's a perfect plan, Maybe I got way off on the car deal. You're like, now you're stepping on toes, Ty. Come on, there's a process. And you've got to ask yourself a big question. What season are you in? Because if you don't know what season you're in, 
No wonder this feels like it's taken forever. And no wonder you get into a whole new season and nothing happens. Because if you're not faithful in the season you were in, it dictates the next season you go into. Let me give you an example. We all want a harvest. But we stand at the moment where we look across the field and it's full of mesquite bushes and weeds. And if you don't do anything that you're supposed to do when you're supposed to be digging up the ground, you're supposed to be loosening the dirt, you're supposed to be breaking old things, you're supposed to be pulling out rocks. This is an earthly message that also is a condition of your heart, by the way. If you leave the rocks, if you leave the the weeds, if you leave the the mesquite bushes, and you go into the next season of your life, and you go, what do we do now, God? And he goes, throw seeds, sow seed. And so you sow seed, the building fund offering comes around, you give, or, or you see somebody on the side of the road and you help, or you believe, or you like, you throw it out there, I think I'd like to do that someday. And then you sit back and you go into the next place to where you're supposed to be watering it, but all you see is weeds and junk, and then you go into the years to where the sun comes out, and there's harvest all around, your neighbor has a harvest, and you have a harvest, they have a harvest, and your brother-in-law has a harvest, don't you hate that when your brother-in-law gets a harvest, when you're sitting there and you're going, harvest, harvest, harvest. And I, I'm going to stop you before you harvest this thing one more time. Is God mad at you? No. Does God love you? Yes. You just weren't faithful in the prior three seasons when you should have got ready. And when you stand in the harvest, no wonder there's nothing there. You didn't pull the rocks out. You didn't disc up the ground. You didn't sow what God gave you. You didn't water what was in the ground. You didn't have the faith to know that I can't see it, but I know it's there. It's in the ground. Water it, Lord. I pray over it. Bless it. Just do whatever you do, God. I don't know how seeds work, but God, you are the author of seeds. Do your seed deal. And then it comes to the harvest. And it was the right seasons that you were faithful where you were. Don't be a fix-it faith to where you only want to live in the harvest. Give me a man now. Let money show up automatically. (laughs) Father, I pray, I pray for a good job. Give me that job. What if you're supposed to stay where you're at and be faithful in three seasons before God finally gives you a harvest of the job you've been believing for? I think a lot of people want to be hired, but no one wants to serve faithfully where they're at. Man, that'll preach right there. Oh, I'm getting a little bit more fired up for you guys. Jesus must, Jesus must love you more than the other services. Can you see the rhythm of this? Can you see the rhythm? Can you see how people can get totally off? People can get totally off. But this is the story of Christmas. Some people didn't even recognize the Messiah when he came because they were focused on the fix-it instead of the redemption that was told for thousands of years. And What is the story of Christmas? I thought this would be kind of fun as we wrap this up. To go back to Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. We read this at the very beginning, but I want to show you there's a point behind it. It says, but when the fullness of time had come. Let's read that together. But when the fullness of time had come. Let me read this to you. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. 
What is the point behind this? God's timing is full of his redemption. And that's a big word. That's a word you don't use too often. But let me tell you that you know what timing means. And we're all asking the question, when is God going to do what he's going to do? When his timing is full. But you've got to know this. His timing is worth waiting on. Because it's not just to fix it. There's always the things you never thought about, the redemption of the rebuilding and the restoring that takes place in someone's life. That God does a work in your head and he changes the thoughts that you think. He does a work in your heart as he heals you and you're not wounded and you're not broken and you're not bitter and you're not angry anymore and he he redeems your heart and then he sets you up and he he causes you to learn new things before before you were a little too naive before you were a little too distracted before he put a lot you put too much faith in other people and you put too much faith in yourself as well and it's this whole redemption process to where all of a sudden you're standing there one day and you see your harvest come and you're not the same person you used to be I can promise you this. God's timing is full of his redemption. But let me do some fun stuff. It's not just a 2,000-year-old story. Micah is an old book of the Bible. Fascinating old book. And and for everybody in the room that you're like, wait, wait, wait. I just thought Christmas was just like a 20th century thing. Like like they, they came out with a color Christmas cartoon and on tv and christmas was born you know rudolph the red-nosed reindeer went from a song to a cartoon and everybody starts celebrating christmas no no that's not that's not no this is the story of jesus but even jesus being born it was way before that too micah is proof of this listen to this but you O bethlehem who are too little to be among the clans of judah from your small, from you, small, shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Now this is very important. If Jesus was born in timeline right here, Micah was written way back here. And then Matthew was born a little bit after Matthew was written a little bit after Jesus Jesus was born. And look at the detail between something that was written way back here as prophecy of the coming Messiah when Matthew says, chapter 2, verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Why do I put these two scriptures to complement each other? Because there's a point you need to see about God's timing. God's location is something to pay attention to also. God's location draws wisdom to where he is. Now I worded that because you have to see the importance of God's perfect timing for Bethlehem, the smallest of all towns, to be used in the biggest of all stories, the gospel. And it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what's going on. The wise men came to Jesus in Bethlehem. 
Jesus didn't have to go find them. And it doesn't matter who you are. You may be sitting there thinking, he's forgot about me. He doesn't even know where I'm at. Heck, I'm in Lee County, New Mexico. Most people don't even think this is part of the United States. <laughs> and I want to turn and remember you, remind you this. If God's timing is full, God's location is right where you're supposed to be. Don't you dare miss that God's bigger than where you're at. Next one. This is Isaiah. And once again, if the timeline of Jesus is Jesus being born here, Isaiah was written way back here. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, the virgin shall conceive. Now think about being a little scribe back in these days. And reading that, and everybody, if you read it really fast, you miss it. The Messiah will be born. Woohoo! Whoa, you missed it. The Messiah will be born of a virgin. What? And bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, does that make any sense? A virgin shall conceive. And yet we find in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Since I am a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. God's perfect timing. You need to know this. God's favor and miracles are a sign of his plan. So it doesn't matter. They say, what, I, what timing are we in? God's perfect timing is where you want to be. What about location? Be where he wants you to be, and I promise when you match that with timing, it'll be God's perfect moment. But you'll find right in the middle of it, when everything comes together, his favor and his miracles are a sign that God is a part of what it is that's worth waiting on. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I'm going to wrap this up. If you're in this room and you would say, well, then what season am I in? That's a great question. It really is. And next week, we're, we're going to talk about that. What season are you in? We all know it's the season of Christmas. What does that even mean, season? We're going to talk about seasons and how important seasons are in our life. But how important is the season of Christmas, and how important is the Christmas story to the whole season of what God's up to? But there's a few things I, I want you to take home, and, and listen, this is for everybody in the room that you just feel like you don't know even if you're, how come God's taken so long? How come God's taken so long? Well, it, I don't, you may want to write these down. Okay? In fact, you may want to just write them on the back of a chair and just take the chair home. Okay? <laughs> That's how important these are. I want you to think about them. I want you to meditate on it, chew on it. And the first one I want to give you today is Psalms chapter 13, verse 1. This is so important, and I'll explain it. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? 
That's kind of interesting. If we were to uh, just read that in a poem in today's day and age, we might get a little offended at it. But it made the Bible. It's in Psalms. Uh, It's actually a song they would sing in corporate group. Uh, In fact, it would be a song that when you came together in temple or in in worship, they would all stand up, and this would be the the, the 13th Psalm that you would all sing together, and you would sing, O Lord my God, an awesome and a great wonder. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? And then you would keep singing. It's like, this is the worst song ever. How will you hide your face from me forever? <laughs> Seriously, this is... It's, the, it's, it's awful. But this is the song they would sing corporately. Let me tell you why it's such a big deal. Because it was raw. And it was blunt. And for many people, it opened their eyes to the fact that they needed to have confidence, and I would even go as far to say Godfidence, that they, God knew exactly where they were, that he was a trusted friend, that he never gave up on his people. And if you've ever felt like this, you've, you're not alone. There are many people who had to stop and pause and realize he knows exactly where you're at. But the question is this, do you know where you're at? What season are you in? In Psalm chapter 31 verse 24 it says, So be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. So patience is a part of faith. Knowing that you don't plant one day and reap the next day. There is a whole process of perfect patience. And we know that he is able to do what God has promised to do. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 it says, The heart of man plans his ways. Any planners in the room? Any people that make great plans? I want to be here this next year, and the next year I want to do this. I think planning is great, but, but it's one of those things you have to realize. Do you want to make your plans, or but the Lord establishes his steps? Where do you want to be in, his plans, or, or your plans, or his steps? And if you want to be in God's steps, you have to give his plan some time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 he has made everything beautiful in its time also he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end Psalms chapter 90 verse 12 says so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom Teach us, Lord, to number our days so it's not about you fixing it. It's about you putting in our heart the great wisdom that you grow in us along the way. Hey, let me go back to my song, Seasons, okay? You may buy it. You may not. I'm not here to sell it. I I just like listening to it. 
And I'm going to read you one of my favorite parts again. I just want you to listen. You can see my promise even in the winter. Because you're the God of greatness even in a manger. For all I know of seasons is that you take your time. You could have saved us in a second. Instead, you sent a child. God's perfect timing. Come on, who am I praying for today? Uh, Father, I love you. I just pray for my friends. This 1130 service, we sure had fun today. We giggled, we laughed, we got serious. But Lord, there are people in all kinds of different seasons in their life right now. Whatever season they're in, there is preparation for the next thing that you want to do. And Father, today I pray that if they're at the beginning, you would give them hope for their future. That this could take some time. But every great and perfect thing you've ever done had a beginning, Lord. And to not overlook everything that you're asking us to do that can only be done in the beginning. And Lord, in the faith seasons to where so much has been done, preparation has been done, now we go to a spot to where we're asked to have faith. And so, keep believing, keep believing, keep believing. How long does this take, Lord? That's not what we should have our eyes on but it's that you would do everything you want to do in the sowing years and the sowing months and the sowing days. And Jesus also, the next season, where we have faith to believe as we pray over, we've seen the seed go in the ground. We've seen the faithfulness. We've seen the, the, the disc hit the earth. We've seen it overturned. We've seen hard soil turn to soft, good soil. But now we just need to sit back and believe for your perfect timing. May we have the patience to wait on the full harvest and not a cheap harvest. And Lord, in the harvest, remind us that after the harvest, we have to sow again, and it's always worth it. But to rejoice and to see that God is good. You were faithful. You delivered us. You made something out of nothing. You're a good, good Father. But now it's time to believe again. It's time to hope again. It's time to sow again. It's time to expand. It's time to grow. How long does it take? It doesn't matter. You order the steps of the righteous. And I want to be in your plan. Jesus, I just pray for my friends. And if you're in this room, let me just ask this question. You would say, that's me, Ty. I pray that that God would just show me the season I'm in so that I can appreciate what he wants to do and not be so focused on the fix it. If you're in this room and you deal with the season, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lord, bless them. Bless them. Bless, Bless us all. I got my hand up. Lord, bless us. Show us. Guide us. Do what only you can do. Lord, we love you. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, let me, let me, t- let me just tell you something. Fabian's going to play a little bit. We've got a little bit of time. Uh, is there anybody? This is, this is going to take some guts. Don't, don't leave. We're not leaving yet, okay? We, we, you, who give me one minute? Everybody, who give me one minute? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It's twelve minutes. Okay? Okay? Um, if you're in the room, and by faith, by faith, I haven't done this for any of this service, but you feel like you're at the very beginning of something. You've had to start over or you're, you're right at the beginning of something. You feel like a farmer looking out of a field that's never been touched before. No, you've never been here before. You're starting all over. This is the brand new beginning of something. And it's a little bit awkward because you're wondering how long is this going to take? Uh, we want to pray for you right now, but, but you have to, that God's going to do something. If you feel like you're at the beginning, you're at the beginning of something right now, would you stand to your feet? Stand up. There you go. Yeah. Let's stretch our hands out for everybody. You, you know what a harvest feels like. Stretch your hands out towards them. Stretch it. Man, that's a lot of starters around here. That's a lot of starters. Jesus, I pray for the folks in this room that are starting. They're at the beginning. They're at the season of start. And Jesus, today I pray with all of my heart. They're learning how to start over. They're learning how to do something new. They're learning how to begin again. They're learning how to start something they've never They've never started before ever. But Lord, this is what I pray. In due season, your fullness would walk them through this perfect time to do what needs to be done at this beginning place in their life. Talk to them, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, now I want you to sit down. And for everybody, you're at the place. We're going to go through all four. If you're at the place to where... You have begun, but now you're at the place to where you're, you're, you're having to have faith to let go. And you're putting seed. You're letting God go and you're trusting God. God's asking you to do things that you're just having to let go of. And it's seed in the ground. It's seed in the ground. And you're planting seed and it's the scariest thing you've ever done. Because you're having to let go of something that you just want to hold on to. But God said, let it go and let it be a seed. Would you stand to your feet? I'm in a seat. Yeah, I'm in seed time. I'm letting go, and I'm letting God. Letting God stretch your hands out towards them. Father, I pray for these folks. By faith, we sow. Your word does not return void. That is one of the greatest seeds we have. The greatest seed we have. Your word tells us to have faith. But Lord, there are things that you speak to us, and you say to let go, and let you be in control. Let you be in charge. And we release our faith to you right now and we sow whether it's money or time energy your word maybe we're believing for somebody maybe whatever the case may be you have asked us to take a step of faith and sow our faith in you and Jesus right now we pray for this seed that we have released out of our life and we have put in you and the harvest that it's going to bring it's in Jesus name we pray amen Okay, sit down. Maybe you're in the third group, third season. This is so important. If you're in the third group to where you've done everything you know to do, you've dissed up the ground, you've removed the rocks, you've pulled out the weeds, you've gone deep, you've sowed the seed, you've done everything you know to do, and now you're at this place in in your life to where you are just praying over it, and that's the hardest thing in in the world, just to wait on God to do what only He can do. You are waiting upon the Lord to do what only you can do on the faithfulness that you've obeyed him on. If you're in the third season 
of hurry up and wait? Would you stand to your feet? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have done everything I know what I do, and I just let go. You have believed for a husband. I mean, you're, there's somebody you've just believed and believed and believed and believed, and finally you just get to the point and say, how much more prayer do I need? I just, I just let go. God's in charge. I have put my applications out there. I've put my applications out there. I've put my applications out there. I'm at the point now to where I think everybody got two, two applications. And now I just sit back. and I've sowed seed. I'm faithful. I'm ready to go to work. Here I am. For Heather and I, we've invested money. We've invested. And now we just got to sit back and let God be God. Is there anybody that you've sowed seed and you just got to wait for God to be God? Stand your feet. Jesus, I pray for my friends. And I pray, Father God, right now for your blessing that as they let go of it, it became your investment. And if they'd have held on to it, it would have been the greatest it would ever be. But when they, when they if they would have held on to it, it would have been the greatest it would ever be. But the very moment they let go of it, it became the least it would ever be. And from there, it will only become everything you want it to be. Everything that they put their hands to, Lord, I pray that it prospers. Speak, bless. We just, we just water this seed, this work, everything you've told them to do. We just water it with your prayer, your prayer. We believe you, Lord. We believe you can do what only you can do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've got, I've got one minute and six seconds. If you're in this place and you have seen God do miracle after miracle and you are in the harvest years of your life, you, he's like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we have seen the harvest of God. We need to pray over that. You know why? Because God's about to ask you to do something with it. That's going to be a test of your faith. So if you're in the harvest years, would you stand to your feet? Being, it's just, you and I, we're standing up. Yeah, yeah, we're standing up. Yeah. Jesus, this is a living, breathing testimony to everyone around us to ask, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I don't know. Look around and see people standing to their feet right now. How cool. Somebody in here is a testimony. You are awesome. You healed us, Lord. You, you rescued us, Lord. You asked us to do something that in the end, we were just thinking, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And now, Lord, I pray that you would put in our hearts the next chapter. What do you want us to do with what you just did in us? Show us what to do. Show us what to do. Show us what to do. We believe. We've seen it with our own eyes. Now, Lord, show us what to do. How can we give you the honor? How can we give you the praise? How can we tell others about you? How can we encourage those who've gone, who are going through what we've been through? Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I got you guys out on time. It's time for us to love God. Love people and have no limits. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. God bless you guys and have a great week in the Lord. See you later.